Anyone's Game podcast. Following women's football. Hello, I'm Andrew Southwick. Welcome to episode 22 of the Anyone's Game podcast. This week, in collaboration with a new Leading the Line podcast. On Sunday, the Scottish Women's Premier League season resumes and the fixtures come no bigger than Glasgow City against Hibernian. This week, I caught up with Hibs captain Joel Murray and Glasgow City's Leanne Crichton to preview Sunday's clash, look back at the World Cup and also, in Joel's case, talk about Hibs' trip to Slovenia for the Women's Champions League where they will face host Pomerje, Cardiff Met and Tbilisi Nike. Podcast regular Chris Marshall has started a new podcast called Leading the Line and he's kindly allowed us his pre-season preview alongside Campbell Finlayson. Also, quick announcement time, but anyone's game will be expanding soon. And later on in the show, we'll be revealing how you can help shape the future coverage of women's football. That's later. For now, here's Joel Murray and Leanne Crichton. Hey Joel, a busy old timetable for Hibs this weekend. you got the, the, the Glasgow City and then you get Champions League. Yeah, we obviously play Glasgow City on Sunday, which is um, very much the focus at the moment. Um, but we then obviously fly to Slovenia on Tuesday, ahead of our first Champions League game on Wednesday. Well, just talking about the weather, you look forward to the weather up there. It's looking at maybe 30 degrees at kick-off. Um, I don't know if I'd be looking forward to um, playing in it. Um, but yeah, it's, it's obviously been really hot out there at the moment, I think. The weather here over the last couple of weeks have maybe helped us acclimatise to that um, a little bit. But yeah, looking forward to, to the weather. Obviously playing in sunshine's uh, a lot better than the, the wind and rain. Yeah, I think you kind of help with the fact I think the first game is an evening kick-off. But you're sitting to, if you go on at 10 o'clock in the morning. I think we've got 11 and 4 maybe, yeah. um, or, or round about those times. So it's, it's times that are obviously at the height of the... The, the sunshine and the heat so so yeah I think we'll obviously need to take that into consideration in terms of our playing style um, looking to, to keep the ball retain the ball and, and not do as much running off the ball so so yeah Grant I'll, I'll definitely have taken that into consideration and um, yeah I'll, I'll make sure I reiterate that to the girls as well It's obviously difficult to, to watch these teams have you seen any of them do you know anything about them or? I know that um, I think the Georgian team Glasgow City played them last year um, so know a little bit about them but I think Grant's pretty much got footage on, on all the, the teams so we'll certainly do our homework uh, we'll look at their attacking style in and out of possession um, defensively in and out of possession so we'll, we'll have all the tools and ammunition that we need uh, going into each and every single game Just how much would it mean to, to Hibs to get through to the Stage. It'd be massive. Um, I'm quite fortunate that I was involved in the, the Bayern Munich game a few years ago, and that was an incredible experience. So if we can if we can get another experience like that, um, it, it'd be fantastic for for everyone involved, um, and obviously with the the financial element that, that that comes with that. So, but first and foremost, we we need to make sure that we're focused and, and we get out of the group and, and don't look ahead um, to anything more than that. You've, you've strengthened during the summer, Amy Muir, it's a real key signing for you. Amy's incredible. Um, first session back, I think she'd been training a few sessions um, before I restarted um, and honestly she's unbelievable. Um, in and out of possession, she's just so, so technical and she's a versatile player. Um, I think she can play midly the park, she can play full back. Um, so she'll add um, a lot to to our team, um, and I think it's credit to 
to Grant and the club itself um, to to secure the signing of Amy because I know not a lot of other teams were were after her um, and teams that had maybe offered her um, things over and above a, a football platform. So yeah, massive credit to to Grant for for securing Amy and I think Amy can see that we've produced player upon player um, every season to maybe go down south or abroad. So I think she's she's maybe seen that. Um, there's that platform um, to go into bigger and better things really. Obviously you got Glasgow City on Sunday just how important was the, the League Cup winning kind of giving you belief that you could still compete with them? It was massive we obviously didn't start the, the season well with the draw against Spartans we then got beat off of, of City um, after quite a, a close game at Ainsley Park so we needed that win um, obviously maintained our um, cup record against them um, so yeah, we, we needed that win, um, especially mentally, um, going into the second half of the season. We we saw that as um, a game that we, we needed to, to win and a cup that we needed to retain. And by doing so, it gave the, the girls a massive boost. The fact they have dropped points, does that mean Sundays can't afford to lose? It's a must-win game. Regardless of the points, um, every game against City is a must-win game in my eyes. I mean, um, if you're not coming into a City game with that, kind of that mindset then I'd, I'd certainly question question you but yeah I think um, it's always a tight game and and we're just looking forward to it and we're hoping that we can put in the performance and get the result to um, not only kickstart the second half of the season but obviously springboard us into the Champions League with. It's obviously been a long time until VAR is used in women's football or Scottish women's football but obviously at VAR at the World Cup what are your, your thoughts on it? I mean yeah we were I don't know can you see it as unlucky, unfortunate? I don't know. Um, but obviously the, the VAR played a massive part in all three games. So for me, I don't know, it, it takes the excitement um, out of the game and I'd quite happily see um, see football without VAR, if, if, you're, if I'm being honest, um, because as I say, it takes the excitement out. And I think in the eyes of um, the officials, it's a bit of a cop-out for them as well. So, yeah, I, I wouldn't be any rush to, to have that introduced into the women's game up here. Yeah, it's also been a while now, but looking back at the World Cup, what are your reflections? Um, disappointed, I think, is probably still a, a huge part of my emotions. Um, but that's when I'm caught up in the football inside it and in the game. and. Certainly, the, the final game that I was, you know, part of. Um, looking at the other performances in other games, I know as a team we felt like we could have done better. Um, so I, there's loads to learn from it. Um, but then when you come out of that bubble and, and you look at the impact and just speaking to people that were, were part of the experience that followed the tournament, listening to where folk watched the game, and literally it was just a World Cup. It, it wasn't a Women's World Cup to people. It was a World Cup, and everybody was emotionally involved in the game. And I think that's the bigger picture, and that's the the nice bit, and that's the bit that you can be really proud of is that you were part of that. And um, we certainly were typically Scottish, as, as people might put it. Um, we just need to learn to, you know, learn from that. Um, you've always been a critic of VAR. It's going to be a long time for folks to see the Scottish women's football, but you're still a critic of it. You still, I think, I think VAR has a place in the game. I, I think that we can help the referees to be better, and I think the technology should enable that and allow that. 
and I think that will eventually happen. That the, the, all the, the creases that were there in the World Cup and all the teething problems with it will be ironed out at some point, and they'll decide what works and what doesn't. I think we went full. We were fully embroiled in it. Where it, we almost felt like guinea pigs at the tournament because even the fact that some of the rules changed within the tournament probably told you that um, even those, you know, the powers that be weren't content with how the technology was was working. So, listen, I think in time it, it definitely will be better for the game because it's it's going to those small margins. But I also think that we need to still keep a footballing head on with it and that we need to have a better perspective and an understanding of the game itself and the small margins within sport and within football that make it the exciting game that it is and, and actually not remove all the emotion from the game because that is almost how we felt in that final game, you know, where it just was completely taken out your hands as, as players. Um, and throughout the tournament there was decisions that obviously went against us and I don't really know if there was many for us but um, <laughs> that's just part and parcel of the game in general and I, I think the referees need to really speak up and and take control of what they think is going to better them. Um, yeah, what was it like for you being on the pitch in the last few minutes of the Argentina game because like, did you know what was going on? Did you know what being checked? Or? No, I, I, not really because the restart of play during the substitution kind of totally threw us off I think um, and actually with the time that the decision was taken we thought that they were perhaps looking at the fact that the game had restarted at that point yeah. and the referees they, they don't have a lot of interaction with you as players as, as much as um, you can ask it and whatever it, there's no that interaction just doesn't exist um, so we were confused I think in that moment we were really confused and, and then I think just you seen the manner in, in which the two teams felt after it that we were all confused about the timing that the game had finished and stuff so it was a bizarre end to what had already been a really bizarre game for us and we can take responsibility for the, the bits that we could have done better and ultimately that's why we didn't progress was about what we had done and not about that final decision but I, I think as the, as the tournaments go on and as world football looks to get better then that's the small things that we need to make better in, in terms of the technology as well and allowing players to enjoy those moments or to have a, a quicker route to have clarity because um, I think that you know the time in between that kind of ruins the game almost. And obviously, everyone's talking about the legacy of the World Cup. How important is it now that Scottish football invests in women's football? Well, I think that's it. I think in the past, the resources and the finances have, have been the huge stumbling block uh, in terms of growing the game and making it better. And we know we've got a lot of participation at grassroots level and all that's grown and all that's positive. And now it's about how we can make probably that top end of the game better in, in terms of the domestic league in Scotland and how we keep growing that and making players better and making coaches better and having the resources and um, being able to en enable that to happen. Uh, that's the big question now and it's how you invest that money wisely to make that happen. Uh, that we don't you know, dilute the quality of the game and you know, that we we need to really capitalise on the World Cup. It's a springboard for us, it's given us that, but it would be really, really sad if that bypasses us and we don't take this opportunity when the whole nation is invested in women's football just now. Um, but it's great that the finances are there and that is, I say, something again that's a real benefit of, of being at a tournament like the World Cup. Yeah, encouraging actually the under-19s that I think had 
combined over 3,000 for mm-hmm. the three Scotland games, it would have been a real disappointment to come back to. Uh-huh. No, and that's great. Listen, that's what the kids need. And at youth level, it, I remember playing it, you know, 17s and 19s and, and travelling to European Championships. And that's what it's about. Like, that's where you learn. Um, you know, it sounds like an old cliche. That's where you learn your trade and, and that's where you learn, you know, what it's all about. And... Um, it's a fantastic experience even to have that in Scotland it's a fantastic experience because for friends and family and you know anybody that's associated with you to be able to come and watch you performing at a, a major tournament whether it's at youth or um, senior level you know is a real privilege and an honour and it was great to see the amount of fans that had come out to, to support the team and um, you know they certainly conducted themselves you know probably to the, the best of their ability and it will be another learning experience for them to move on and take forward and for them to assess how they become better players and you know push their way in and you know be knocking on the doors of you know players that are already there at the, the senior team. Um, looking ahead to Sunday, both teams are strength today, so obviously Sunday review, but you've made a really good sign as well, Rachel McCall. Aye, Rachel, fantastic player, brilliant. Um, she's always a player that I've admired. Her physical attributes, technically, she's very, very good. Um, really down to earth kid, and I think you almost forget also, you know, how young she is as well, and, and she plays with such a level head and, and that bit of experience. So she'll be a great addition to the side for us uh, this second half of the season. Just looking at her in training already, um, she's made a difference, and you know she's raising the bar again for for us players around her, um, and another leader and, and strong player to have in the team. So excited for her to be here. You always expect a very Glasgow City game to be really close uh, to games this game's been close, but the fact they won the cup game, even though it was in penalties, mm-hmm. so much of a motivation is that for for you and for them, it gives them confidence as well. Aye, that's it. Um, listen, the, the games are always close encounters and the nice thing is that you, you sometimes have to wait a few games before you, you get a, a game against Hibernian. So to be the first game back after the break is, is adding that wee bit of grit and determination to this mini pre-season that we've got and making the, the hours and uh, the running sessions that you know we're doing um, worthwhile and stuff. So it'll be a nice game to get back to and you know, we just hope that... Um, it certainly presents itself with the opportunity and that we go and perform well. The fact that realistically they need to win to keep the title, alive, they expect them to really come out with you? Aye, I think they always do. Listen, none of the teams ever in, the, in any of the games we're going to go and, you know, we'll try and take a point for this game or it's just the wrong attitude to have, especially against your rivals. Um, and there's other teams, you know, Celtic, Rangers, they're all strengthening, they're all pushing to do more, they're all investing. Um, so I would expect in the second half of the season them to kick on as well and, and to bring a real challenge. You know, we had a close game earlier in the season against Celtic. Um, you know, so every game is just three points and, and that's exactly what I think both sides will be looking at it. And, and Sunday we're obviously in a slightly stronger position in terms of the, the points and the cushion that we've got just now, but you go and lose a game on Sunday and that's reduced to, to only two points, so that's absolutely nothing over the course of a half a season. This week over at leadingtheline.com, Chris Marshall and Campbell Finlayson got together to preview the second half of the SWPL season. They also helped pick the SWPL teams of the season in both Top Flight and SWPL 2. And they big up the clubs, putting in the work, attracting new fans. Hello and welcome to the Leading the Line podcast. It is a SWPL mid-season review and preview. Um, I'm your host Chris Marshall. It's been a massive summer for Scottish women's football. We've had a first ever World Cup campaign, um, followed by a first ever heartbreak. Um, And we've also just hosted the Women's Under-19 European Championships, where 
We learned a lot and we got some more heartbreak as well. But the SWPL season is back this weekend and we are very keen to um, preview the action. So joining me just now is my fellow SWPL Scottish Women's Football Workhorse, Mr Campbell Finlayson. How are you doing, Campbell? I'm very well, Chris. Yourself? Yeah, I'm not too bad. Um, got a bit wet on the walk home. Uh, it started raining slightly, but it seems to have dried off now. And I'm buzzing to talk about uh, the return of the Scottish Women's Premier League season. So we are going to cover both the SWPL1 and SWPL2. And at the end, we're also going to give some shout-outs to some of the good stuff we've seen coming from the clubs over the last couple of months during the, the World Cup and European Championship period. But Campbell, just before we get into it, um, what's been your take on the, the Scottish Women's Football Summer with the World Cup and the European Championships? Big stuff's happened. It's been a great opportunity to really big up the game ahead of the new season. Yeah, I think it's been very positive. Obviously, getting to the first ever World Cup was great for the for the girls there. Obviously, we got to a couple of games ourselves as well. It was just great to see Scotland at a World Cup. Typical Scotland exit, obviously, didn't help. And then hosting the Under-19s Championship again, started very well in the first game. Unlucky, the game against France, and then it sort of fell apart against some of the bigger teams. It was a great experience for folk to see some of the up-and-coming talent in Scotland. And then, of course, for the league, there's been a bit more publicity than there would have been at the start of the season. I'll be with uh, games on the news and things like that, sort of advertising, especially Glasgow City Hibs, of course, on Saturday. We'll get uh, Sunday, sorry, but we'll get to. But it's been positive, so looking forward to getting back to the games again. Yeah, and do you know what? You've mentioned it, Campbell, so let's let's get straight into the games on Sunday. So for those of you who are never really following women's football before in Scotland, games are usually played on a Sunday, and it's coming back with a bang, Campbell. Um, we'll start with SWPL1. As I said, we're going to preview both, both leagues, but we'll start with SWPL1. Uh, this Sunday, we have four games. Um, Glasgow City against Hibernian, we've got Celtic against Rangers, Motherwell against Spartans and Forfar Farmington against Stirling University and there's something to talk about in all of those but let's start at the top Campbell, Glasgow City against Hibernian, first versus second, Glasgow City played 10, won 10, 30 points, plus 52 goal difference, they are the establishment, it's a very very Scottish word to describe a team, they are the establishment of Scottish women's football, they are going for their 13th consecutive title um, and they've just uh, extended Scotland's contract as well. What's your take on Glasgow City? Summer, they've, they've lost a couple of players. Lara Ivanis and Lydia Kouras is, is left, but they've brought in Rachel McLaughlin and she's a big signing. Yeah, she is a big signing. Obviously left Hibs at the end of last season. Exactly didn't Yeovil and it didn't quite work out then at Yeovil for sort of club problems. But the backup's a great signing for City and improves an already obviously very decent squad. And you see them, they're the best in the country. It's, it's plain to see they have been. Obviously they've won the last 12 titles in a row. So again, it's... It's, it's tough for other teams playing against them, but from a City point of view, they're obviously very positive and it's, it's great for them to extend Scott Booth's contract as well. He really seems sort of right in amongst it with the women's game. He really enjoys it. He was obviously commentating for BBC as well for the Scotland game. So I think it's I'm looking forward to seeing City how they go on, but also how they're challenged by him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think there's a, the, just to touch on the other business that City did, because as Campbell rightly says, um, Rich McLaughlin coming up from Yeovil Town, um, they unfortunately ended up getting relegated to the third tier. So she's kind of bucked the trend of, of coming back up. But I think what's also been a boost for Glasgow City was the return of Murray Cunningham towards the end of the, the first half of the season, and Sam Kerr as well, who's been who has managed to get a couple of development game runs out. So they've boosted their squad without actually having to put that much out there. They also brought in Hayley Sinclair from Rangers, but um, their main challengers have basically for the last four or five seasons that have been Hibernian. Um, they were they defeated Glasgow City in the final of the SWPL Cup on penalties um, just before the season finished up. They are currently five points behind Glasgow City and they have lost to City already this season 1-0 at Ainsley Park, which was a, a Friday night game. 
They've also done a bit of a transfer business, Campbell. What do you make of the business that they've done and how do you see them challenging Glasgow City, especially with Sunday in mind? I think the business has been very good. I mean, Amy Muir in particular, obviously, joining up from Rangers. He was the under-19s captain at European Championships. That's a great signing. It just gives them more depth, really. Hibs already are pretty solid at the back. I can see the goal difference as well is pretty high, plus 29. Um, again, City in the league, they, they were unlucky in the first game. I was there at Ainsley Park way back when. It was a cold Friday night. It wasn't the greatest of games, but it was Leanne Clayton's head obviously won the thing for City. But Hibs, they're a good side, obviously. See, they beat them in cups. and cup competitions, they really seem to do quite well against them. I mean, we're both covering that game. Yeah, the cup final through an Airdrie against another cold Friday night. Very wet as well, but then they won it on penalties. But I think they can give Glasgow City a good game on Sunday. But again, City's home record is it's really phenomenal pretty much, isn't it? So it will be a right tough ask for Hibs. But if they can get some of the players that have been playing for the national sides at the under-19s and the first team level to really get on the ball and cause City problems, then it'll be interesting to see what they can do. And if Hibs can get a first goal, then who knows what could happen. Yeah, you, you mentioned the international side. So Hibs had four players in the under-19 squad at the Euros and Glasgow City and Hibs were the only two SWPL sides with representation at the World Cup. So if you did see some of the World Cup stars and you're really keen on them, then Peters Hill Park on Sunday at 10 past two is a place to be. Um, Hibs have also got quite a busy start to the return of the season, Campbell, because as well as having this big game against Glasgow City and obviously the, the chase for hopefully catching them uh, in the title race if you're a Hibernian fan, they've also got the Champions League group stages coming up. Uh, they're travelling to Slovenia uh, where they take on Palm Rouge, Cardiff Met and Tbilisi Nike. How do you think that's going to play into their season? Um, obviously getting out of that group stage is a, is a big carrot and getting into the knockout into the Champions League and um, also has a kind of wider implication for the SWPL. Do you think they have enough in their squad to balance that? Um, they'll also have a Scottish Cup game to catch up on. So as well as chasing Glasgow City, they also have a couple of extra games that some of the teams round about them, uh, which we'll come to shortly, don't have. Yeah, I mean, obviously, the Champions League is a huge thing for both Glasgow City when they get into it later on, and Hibs to try and represent Scotland in a European stage as well. Hibs, it's, some of the teams are playing, obviously, a bit of an unknown entity, but I mean, they'll go into it confident they can go to Slovenia within the games they need to get through. Whether that has a negative impact or not on their league season, obviously, remains to be seen. A defeat on Sunday probably would kill off any title challenge, but if they can win, cut that gap to two points, yes, City have got a game in hand, it could make a difference, but if they're in to go deep into Europe, yes, City might do as well. But if they go into Europe on the run, then there is that risk that they could almost burn out sort of thing. And it's, again, as you're saying, try to balance the squad that they do have so they can fight on more than one level. I'd like to see them do well in Europe and do well in the league, but whether it's possible, obviously, remains to be seen. Yeah, just to give an idea of how far into the unknown um, Hibs are going, Tbilisi and Ike, who are the Georgian champions, don't even have a Wikipedia page at the moment when I was trying to do some research about them um, the other day. So there's been a lot of YouTube uh, searching going on just now. Um, the other team, though, that are around 25 points are Celtic uh, Campbell, and they are playing Rangers in the, the women's old firm derby. And I think it's been quite quiet at Celtic over the summer. Um, they're in the same position as Hibs, uh, same number of points, 25 points. They'll be looking to chase down Glasgow City. Obviously, a lot of noise at the start of the season about often professional contracts, but it hasn't quite come to fruition. How are you viewing Celtic going into the the start of the restart of the season? As you say, I mean, they had all the talk about going professional, and it, as we say, it's not really happened yet, but it doesn't seem to have affected them in a bad way at all. Obviously, the level on points with Hibs, their goal difference are way behind them, but looking at the fixtures of Celtic, you would imagine we'd beat Rangers again on Sunday with Hibs like losing. Celtic could go second, and with Hibs playing in Europe, if that then causes them bother in some of the other league games that they might usually win, then Celtic could easily finish second. You never know what could happen. Obviously, they beat them 3-0 at K-Park on the sides last meeting. Um, 
but the problem with Celtic is it's a tough start. Obviously, Rangers they should probably beat them, although we'll touch to them, touch on them later on with uh, the developments over the summer as well. But the next game after that is at PSL against Glasgow City with the Scottish Cup sort of game in between. So it's it's a tough tough start for them going back. But I've been impressed with them this season when I've seen them anyway. I mean, obviously, game against City in the cup aside. They caused them real bother when they played them uh, up at Lennox Town in the league. So they've really impressed a lot of people. And you can see them there. They're one of only three teams, obviously, along with the two above them, to have a positive goal difference. So it'll be interesting to see how they can continue that going on into the second half of the season. So, yeah, they have Eddie Wolecki Black in charge as well. Um, obviously, a stalwart at Glasgow City. Um, he's now in charge at Celtic. And he's very much been charged with kind of bringing them forward. Um, but Rangers are probably the big story of the of the summer, uh, Campbell, maybe fair to say. Lots has happened there. They made a big announcement um, a couple of weeks ago now from the date recording uh, where they were going to fully integrate the women's side uh, into the men's academy. So at, at the time for last season, they were playing at Newtento Park, which is the home of Ben Burb Juniors, about 500 metres down from um, Ibrox. They are now going to be based solely at the Hummel Training Academy. Um, Amy McDonald, the coach, has been promoted to the academy head role for women's football. And Gregory Vignal, the former Rangers left-back, has come in as head coach. He's got a really good reputation in the Rangers Academy. He's been there for a couple of years. Um, I actually went to go see Rangers play Hamilton in, the, in a pre-season friendly uh, just before the season was due to start. And I was quite impressed with what, what he had to offer. But big changes at Rangers. Um, I thought the interviews they both gave are very very poignant and also accurate, Campbell, in terms of the fact that they identify the fact that Rangers at the moment aren't anywhere near the place they would want to be given the, the identity that Rangers have as a, as a successful winning club. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a great news out for the club, not only for the club, but for the SWPL as a whole. I mean, if it can help Rangers challenge in the league in the future, then it does make a difference to making the league more competitive and again, then making the national side more competitive by getting players into it. Um, as you're saying, the Rangers and Celtic, obviously, they're, they're two huge names in world football, but the women's sides are not quite at the same level, obviously, as Glasgow City and Hibs are at the minute. So, I mean, it's it's tough for them. But Amy McDonald's done a good job with the side as best as she can. Um, she's still involved, obviously, not the forefront now with Gregory Vignal being the manager. who is an interesting appointment. As, as you say, he was a youth coach there at Rangers and obviously done pretty well there for them to promote that to this point here. But I'd like to see Rangers really progress in the league. It's obviously we're trying to promote the women's game in Scotland. You'd like to see the likes of Rangers and Celtic show what they can do from the men's side of things onto the women's side of the game and really make it more than just the two big tides in the country and try and get three or four teams challenging for the Cups to begin with even and then get into the league to really make it more competitive but it's it's interesting for them it's exciting and we'll just need to wait and see how they get on when the season restarts again on Sunday Yeah I think I think the appointment of Gregory Vignal certainly has gained some more interest um, having a, a former player of one of the sides especially somebody with let's be honest an exotic uh, presence in, in Gregory Vignal uh, used to play for Liverpool as well um, um, it's, it's certainly something that's going to capture the imagination of some and he has Amy McDonald who has so much experience to lean on so I think it's, it potentially has a good combination and I have to say that whenever I've watched Rangers over the, the kind of past kind of six months, a year, 18 months it's always been like, it feels like something is there about to happen and maybe this is what it needs to, needs to this move is what's going to stimulate that, that next step but they haven't made any signings we've already talked about the fact they've lost Amy Yurts will be a big loss but they have been bringing in a number of youngsters um, so it'll be interesting to see how they, they progress but they're probably a little bit behind the, the first, second, third race for for this uh, championship and European places uh, just below them Campbell Spartans and Motherwell are playing each other um, out at Ravenscraig what's their aim for the rest of the season obviously Motherwell promoted the SWPL to the champions last season Spartans are one of the kind of stalwarts of women's football in Scotland 
What what is your aims for the rest of the season? Is it a case of trying to overhaul Rangers and then seeing what they can do from there? I think for Spartans, I mean, they're obviously well established now in the SWPL1, as we're saying, they, their aim, you would think, always has to be sort of break into the top four. They're not at the level where they're going to catch City or Hibs. So getting in between Celtic and Rangers, if they can, and the end of the top three, top four, has obviously got to be their aim for most of the time, but that's going to get harder with the growth of those two sides. Um, for Motherwell, I mean, Spartans could possibly be the sort of thing they're looking to aim to replicate. I mean, they're going to retain their place in the league this season, having come up last year. So, I mean, if they can do that for a few years and stay there and become a sort of stalwart, as you call it, eh, of the Premier League and stay there, then, again, it'll be interesting. I mean, they're only two points behind Spartans when you look at the table, but the problem is nine of those 11 have come against, but also the bottom two. The other two, right enough, have been draws with Celtic and Rangers. So, I mean, if they can try and copy that again and get more points on these things, then you never know what can happen. But I think for Spartans at the minute, their aim will be try- if they can get in ahead of Rangers. It's going to be a tough pass, right enough, looking at the points gap. But as for Motherwell, they're almost chasing Spartans at the minute. So I think for both teams, they're obviously going to be in the league again next season. And it's just trying to establish themselves more and then push on next season to try and get higher up the table. Yeah, Spartans have boosted their squad with a couple of youth signings. Kayleigh Gibb from Hibs under-23s and they promoted Shannon Todd from the development side. There's also been a player go out, but we'll touch on that when we start talking about SWPL too. Um, Motherwell, they seem they started actually the season really well. You mentioned the Celtic. Uh, I was actually the two, the two draws you've mentioned. They drew it 0-0 with Celtic at K Park, a really good disciplined defensive performance. And then they, they drew 3-3 with uh, Rangers at Ravens Craig, which was perhaps for me the game of the season so far. They turned up and they only had they didn't have any subs. Um, so they were three one a three 0 up with ten minutes to go. Rangers brought on Amy Muir, who I feel like is sponsoring this uh, particular podcast. But she came on and she really made uh, she really made the difference and, and pulled it back to three each. So I'll be interested to see what kind of reinforcements they will have because there hasn't been much noise coming from them in that respect. But you mentioned the fact that those two will probably be safe in division, Campbell, and you're right to say that because at the bottom we have Forfar Farmington and Stirling University. Stirling are yet to win a game this season. They have one point. Been a pretty tough season for them. And Forfar Farmington have four points. They've only won one game. And that's just the week before the season comes back. They've actually replaced their manager. Stevie Baxter has left the club and has been replaced by Nathan Flight, who was his assistant and has been at Forfar Farmington for a long time. They've lost a couple of players as well. Um, again, to a club in SWPL2 we'll talk about, and Danny McGinley and Robin Smith. Um, they play each other at Station Park on Sunday. It's a massive game um, for both clubs, but in particular, Southern University. And from what I've seen from both, this this could be one of these wins that goes either way for me. Yeah, I mean, there's, neither side's obviously been very very good overall for the season. So it's, it's tough game for for have the edge with it being uh, with them being at home. The previous game, obviously, Oakview was a one-all draw. I mean, Forfar's other win came against Motherwell, I think it was, back at the start of the season. So they have the advantage, also three points clear of Sterling at the bottom of the table and a win. Would think it would relegate Sterling, obviously, going on the form of the first half of the season. But as you say, it really could go either way. It's maybe a bit of a nervy game to begin with and see if both sides can try to play into it or whether they end up conceding many goals to each other. Who knows what, what they have going forward for this one. But it's, it's a massive game, as you say. You have to fancy Forford just with being at home, but it's I don't think it'll be one for the purists, put it that way. Yeah, so just to just to clarify for anybody listening to this who maybe isn't aware of how the SWPL works. So um, SWPL1 champions are, well, the champions, best in the land. They also gain entry to the UEFA Champions League. Um, second place at the moment, uh, it's not been confirmed one way or the other, whether that also gets European entry. So that's something that we will continue to look at going forward. And the last place, eighth, they will be relegated into SWPL2. 
Campbell, not to put you on the spot or anything, but who's winning it and who's going down? Forfa are winning it. Stirling University are going down. Cool. Excellent. Well, we'll see where that comes to fruition. Um, I always feel like saying predictions. Uh, it's something I always try and avoid, but do you know what? I'm not making it this time, so I'm good with it. So, yeah, SWPL1 is back on Sunday. Um, first game, Celtic v Rangers, 2 o'clock kickoff at K Park in East Kilbride. Motherwell v Spartans, half past two at Ravenscraig. Four for Farmington, take on Stirling University at 4 o'clock at Station Park. And, well, the big one, Glasgow City against Hibernian, 10 past two at Peters Hill Park in Springburn in the north of Glasgow. That's the SWPL1 roundup. We'll be back in a moment with SWPL2. Hello and welcome back. And we are now going to cover SWPL2. And Campbell, probably fair to say that SWPL2, um, in terms of the depth of the division, is a lot more competitive than the, the mini leagues that go on in SWPL1. Yeah, very much so. I mean, just looking at the table, there's only six points between Hearts at the top and Glasgow Girls in sixth place. So, I mean, it's one of these leagues where really anyone can beat anyone, with the exception, obviously, of Hudson Vale, who are way down there at the bottom on zero points after the 11 games. But it's it's been really intriguing to watch. I mean, there's teams have beaten other teams that you wouldn't really be expecting them to win sort of these sort of games. have been dropped points where they really shouldn't have been. So it's it's still very, very tight. And there's a lot of battles and a lot of interesting games right away from the start, from the season starting back up again. So it'll be interesting to see how that pans out over the next 10 games. Yeah, so at the start of this season, Dundee United and Partick Thistle were promoted from their respective um, regional leagues and Hamilton Academicals were relegated. But it's Hearts that actually sit top of the table. Um, one of the teams that have probably really embraced uh, the idea of women's football. Um, they've been very prominent in some of the things they've done. They had the, the game at Tynecastle against Dundee United, which they lost 1-0. Saws Law, you do something like that and you get beat. Um, but they are currently top of the league. They are a very talented squad, Campbell. They've boosted it with a couple of signings for, for, for Farmington and Danny McGinley and Robin Smith. And Louise Mason's coming from Spartans. When I've seen Hearts, I've been I've been impressed with them. Um, Andy Enwood, when I spoke to him at the end of the season, said he was looking for reinforcements, which he's now got. Um, but I also feel like there's more in this team. What's, what's your take on Hearts so far this season? Yeah, I mean, they've done well against some of the bigger teams in the division, if you look at it. They've beaten Hamilton, as we said, to beat them on the opening day, where that main goal, we remember, was the cracker um, from Rachel Walkinshaw. But playing against some of the smaller teams, if you want to call them that, I mean, they've dropped points. The Drew and Johnston, who, as you can see, in the table, there are eight points behind Glasgow Girls. They've lost only two games, but both have been to Dundee United, who also are in the bottom half of the table. So it's, it's games like that that you really need to be winning if you want to be champions. Yes, obviously, you need to beat the bigger teams, but... Some of these drop points could cost them at the end. I mean, they're only two points ahead, but if they'd won some of these games, that gap could have been further. It could have been bigger, sorry, and Hearts could well be outside. But as it is, anything could still happen at the end of the season here. So it'll be interesting to see who can actually come out and talk at the end of it. Yeah, so Hearts are top at the moment, two points clear of Hamilton Academical. Um, Hearts had two players in the European Under-19 squad, and Emily Much and Jenny Smith. Um, only one of them got a few minutes, but Kirsty McIntosh, who plays for Hamilton, um, started every game. And actually, Hamilton have got a, a lot of talented player. Amy Anderson in the middle of the park has been one of the standouts in the SWPL2 season so far. Um, and they have a lot of attacking threat. What's been your assessment of Hamilton Academicals? Because I feel kind of the same way as I do as about Hearts, because I feel both these sides have really, really good moments in them. And then other times, they may be flat to deceive just a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I've seen both teams on a couple of occasions and going forward, they seem to create plenty of chances, but it's almost been putting them away. It's been their problem. And the game at Tynecastle, where Hearts, as you mentioned, against United, they had chance after chance that they would work a couple of times and ended up being a defensive error that uh, allowed United to score that day to get the win. 
Hamilton again, they've been pretty similar. I mean, obviously, they lost to Hearts on the opening day. Remember watching them at Peter's Hill against Patrick Thistle pretty early on again. You're coming down against a team that's coming up. You look at it and think, Hamilton on the better side, they maybe should be going on here. And when you score early on to go ahead, there's every chance that you will. But it's another game, they miss chances. I believe Thistle back into it and drop points. And games like this have cost them, kind of thing, at the top, where both themselves and Hart could have pulled away from each other. But in the end, they're just sort of tangled in amongst it all. So it's, I, I expect more from both of them. But I wouldn't say they've been disappointing as such yet. But the two of them, there is still more they could give, I think. And it'll be interesting to see whether Hart's new signings give them the edge. Yeah, I don't think either have been disappointing. I would say that both sides are probably the, the quality in the division at the moment. And I think if you were to ask me to pick one just now, I think I'd maybe just, just go with Hamilton, um, just for what I've seen with them, seen from them so far this season. I thought they got some really good momentum going as well before the break. So they'll be keen to carry that on. Underneath that, we have four teams separated by two points. Let's talk about the teams in third and sixth, first of all, Campbell, which is part of this and Glasgow girls, because... All changing in the two sides that are based at Peters Hill Park. So uh, part of this will have appointed former Glasgow Girls manager John Boyle to their coaching staff. Um, he comes in alongside Beth Adamson, who was, who was a coach already. Uh, they're going to work together. And Glasgow Girls have brought in Ian Ferry. Uh, part of this will started the, the season very solidly. They, they didn't concede, uh, concede many goals. They didn't score many goals either. Um, and Glasgow Girls actually started really strong, but they kind of had a, a bit of a poor run towards the end of the season. What's your take on these two sides who are, well, they're both based at Petersell Park. Um, what's your take on, on part of this on Glasgow Girls' season so far? This was very impressive. They had the longest run of anyone in uh, the two top divisions coming up. It was obviously going to be tough for them and then United, the two sides coming up, to sort of know what they were coming up against when it was their first time at this level. But this one have been impressive in that case. It's seen only four points off the top of the table. They're a, they're a more experienced side. And you look at the ages of some of the players compared to some of the other teams in the division, which has given them a slight bit of an edge with the physicality and things like that in uh, the middle of the park. But they just they don't almost, almost don't score enough goals is perhaps possibly their problem. Glasgow Girls are another one who they've got the sort of players you look at like Lucy McHugh and Chloe Dockett up front but they seem to be the only players that really are scoring for them and that's that's a bit of a worry for them but as you see towards the end they kind of fell apart a bit but they've just they, they just don't create enough almost or is what they should be doing when you look at some of the players that are there so the two sides on their day have been impressive but I think there's still more you think could come from them um, you mentioned John Doyle of course he only joined Glasgow Girls at the start of the season he's already away to party this one now but he had a good record uh, at Glasgow Girls so it's moves to what's a bigger club in Partick Thistle but you think he'll be back so it'll be interesting to see how he gets on there um, for Ian Ferry again another interesting one to see how he was going to take the team on from John when he was there I mean there's plenty of growth uh, at Glasgow Girls at the minute they're building a new 300 seat stand and a perimeter fence at uh, Birdhill Park so they can move back there from Peter's Hill next season and I've spoken to a few folk at the club I think moving back there could be a big thing for them because it doesn't feel as if it's at home to them and it's sort of it's a different surface obviously at Peter's Hill as well has maybe made it a bit more difficult for them. But when they get back there next season, they could be the sort of side that really are challenging at the top and sort of the position that Hearts are in just now. I mean, for long periods, it looked like that, but it ended up a comfortable defeat uh, against Hearts at Orion, the game you said you covered there. So the two sides on the day can like, put on a good show, but they need to do it more often, I think. Yeah, I think your point about Glasgow girls going back to Bud Hills are a good one because um, we'll probably touch on this a little bit later on in the podcast, but... Um, the the idea of identity, Petersville Park is very much a hub of women's football on a Sunday, but I think you do lose a little bit in that respect because you do have Glasgow Girls Park, Thistle and Glasgow City all based there. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see what that move does. Um, 
We've talked about Dundee United quite a lot already, so let's just bring in, bring them into the mix along with uh, Kilmarnock. Uh, Dundee United promoted. They have been pretty up and down, but it's a very young team they've got. Um, they had uh, goalkeeper Ashley Week and striker Neve Guthrie in the SWPL's team of the season so far for the, the Division 2. FC Kilmarnock have been just as up and down as well. It's two sides that I think they're both missing something in terms of taking that next step, but I think they've more than held their own in the Division so far this season. Yeah, definitely. I mean, United obviously a fairly new team as well. They've only been they've been around for a few years and had it pretty easy uh, in the SWFL North. So I mean, haven't they step up to SWPL two? They have done it well and they've shown they can play at this level. As we said, they're only team you've beaten heart. But the problem with if you're going to win games against these sort of teams, you need to then win the kind of games that they haven't done. Party Disco, for example, come up of beating them twice. So, I mean, it's it's just consistency. Kilmarnock are another one who at the start of the season, similar to Glasgow Heroes, they look. Like they could be up there challenging, and then Hearts came in Robbie Park, put six past them, and they have just sort of felt, not fell apart, but they kind of dropped away a bit. I mean, they're still right in the mix, but it's just again that consistency point where both teams are not. There's just, as you say, there's just something missing there. Going forward, they've both got creative players, they've both got good goalkeepers, but it's almost as if it's in the middle of the park where they just seem to lose control of games here and there, and the likes of Thistle and Hamilton have kind of overpowered them. So it's it's a tough one, but I think both teams have got plenty more to give in the final ten games. Yeah, FC Kilmarnock's got an interesting one because um, they've signed uh, Susan McTaggart from Bartlett Thistle to give them another option up top. Um, but their, their coach, Stuart Hall, actually put a wee interesting tweet out um, during the week where he was uh, congratulating Rangers on their, their forward thinking. And it seemed to maybe a little, a little dig at Kilmarnock. I'm, I'm not saying that's necessarily the case, but certainly something to keep a wee eye on. Um, the other two teams in the division, uh, St. Johnston, formerly Genefield Swifts, I think they're basically destined to kind of float around the seventh spot. Um, and then Hutchison Vale... Where, where do we start with Hutchison Dale Campbell? Um, bottom of the table, they did manage to score a goal uh, on, towards the end of the season, which was obviously a, a point of delight. Uh, they got a goal uh, in their 14-1 defeat to FC Kilmarnock. They have played 11 games and conceded 112 goals. They have now brought in a new coach, Ross McLaren, who has come in from Hearts under-19s, and they've got a goalkeeper coach in as well. But they're a big struggle as players, and I suppose the question about them, Campbell, is can you see them getting a result before the season's over? It's a tough one. I mean, obviously, just say they brought in Ross McLaren. He's brought in uh, Greg Playfair as well as his assistant, and then Ewan Robertson to see the goalkeeper coach. I mean, they're making the changes to attempt to make them more competitive, but the fact that there's no relegation this season, making them safe for next year, will help them. But obviously, they need to change. I mean, you look at minus 111 goal difference. It's just ridiculous for a side at such a high level. So, I mean, I'd hope to see them win a game, but I don't think they need new players to come in. There was obviously, they put out a tweet looking for more players to come and join the squad and things like that as well. I think they're going to need new players if they're going to get a win, get more goals, yes. But it'll be interesting to see how they can change that and what Ross McLaren brings in as a manager that they didn't have in the first part of the season. But if there was um, relegation, you would worry for them and where they actually may go. But I think that could be a lifesaver for them and hopefully they can even go on and build on that next season. Yeah, I mean, for anybody that's not aware of what, what the situation with Hutchinsville is, they were in a, an agreement previously with Edinburgh University and that agreement came to an end at the start of the season and as a result of that, they've had to play a lot of youth players now. There is a lot of youth players in Scottish football already, but these are often supplemented by some experience and some players that have gone over the course over, over a period of time. And at Hutchinsville, that's it's not really been possible. It'll be really interesting to see what they come back as uh, in terms of uh, the, the return fixtures, uh, which we'll go over in a wee second. But you're right. I think the fact that there is no relegation really does save them uh, for a season. But I think what they have to be very wary of is that 
this is a win-off and I, and I can't see it um, being sustained. They, I think they got fined earlier on in the season for not fulfilling a fixture. Uh, so yeah, it's it's a, a big challenge, uh, Ross Glasgow, and, and actually coming from Hearts, where obviously there is a lot of investment going on. There is big plans in place. Kevin Murphy's come up from Manchester City to help really imp- implement a, a strategy for, for women's football and integrate that into the men's side. It's a big challenge. So you've got to wish him all the best in that regard. But yeah, this this weekend is also SWPL2. We've talked about Peters Hill Park as a hub of action. The part this will take on St. Johnson at 12 o'clock at Peters Hill Park. Hutchison Vale then are at home to Glasgow Girls. Can they get a first point of the season? Two o'clock kickoff at the Sorton Enclosure in Edinburgh. Hearts take on FC Kilmarnock at half past three at Orion. And it's Dundee United against Hamilton Ackies. Uh, one o'clock kickoff at the Dundee International Sports Centre. I think the venue has been recently changed in that one. So just keep an eye on Twitter to make sure that's up to date. That's the two divisions rounded up, but what we're going to do next is we're going to have a wee chat about a couple of things we've liked that we've seen over the course of the summer. So we'll be back with you very shortly. Hello and welcome back. Um, Yeah, we're now going to use this time to talk about some of the things we've liked um, that have happened over the course of the summer. And one of those things is something that me and Campbell were both involved in was the SWPL teams of the season so far. And we've already referenced them a couple of times in the podcast. But I thought what we would do is we would go over the two teams. And Campbell, I'm going to ask you, and I'll come up with one myself, to pick out a name that hasn't made the team that maybe we expect to maybe emerge over the course of the rest of the season. So in SWPL1, the team was Rachel Harrison and goals from Spartans. You had Nicola Doherty from Glasgow City, Kiva Keenan from Celtic, Siobhan Hunter from Hibs and Jenna Clark from Glasgow City, playing in a four defence. Uh, midfield, you had Jade Gallon from Rangers, Natalie Ross from Celtic, and Kayleigh Mitchell from Hibernian. And then up front, we played the front three of Kirsty Howitt, the league top goal scorer from Glasgow City, Sarah Ewans from Celtic, and Jamie Lee Napier from Hibernian. Um, obviously, we think this is a pretty good team, so we won't delve too far into that. But of the list of players that we've named from SWPL1, obviously, keep a wee out for these guys. But is there anybody else that you think might emerge in the second half of the season? Um, looking at a lot of the teams, I mean, Glasgow they've got their, their main sort of player group there. But one player that is sort of making a few more appearances than usual is Jordan McClintock. I've quite enjoyed watching her this season. I haven't obviously spoken to Scott Booth after a couple of games as well, she's got and she showed it when she came off, scored some cracking goals when she's played against uh, Motherwell and Rangers. So, be just one of these players that I'd like to see stand out and get a bit more time for Glasgow City. Obviously, when they're going into Europe, they're going to have to sort of merge, not merge, but use their squad a bit better for the two games. So, she's one player that I'll be interested to see a lot more of in the second half. Yeah, I think there's a, a couple of Glasgow City we've mentioned, uh, Murray Cunningham and Sam Kerr as well, but Jordan McClintock was definitely one that was getting more game time as it, the season's been progressing. I think for me, uh, I'd really like to see how Rachel Small now Boyle, I'm assu- well, she's now Rachel Boyle on Twitter, so I'm assuming Rachel Boyle is going to be her name going forward. Um, the Hibs midfielder, former Scotland international, she obviously took a break um, to, to have a baby. She's back in women's football, and I thought towards the end of the second half of the season, she was really starting to kind of make her, make her mark again once she, her fitness levels started to return. So I think it would be really interesting to see how she... Um, progresses going forward. Outside of the big two, um, I think it would just be interesting to see how some of the, the younger players, uh, uh, places like Motherwell and Rangers, uh, Chelsea McEachern had a, a pretty strong start to the season for Motherwell, but maybe tailed off a little bit as their squad got stretched and she had to kind of play more games and maybe ideally they'd want her to. And I think Rangers, Brogan Hayes back um, after injury, she's it feels like Brogan Hayes been around for forever, uh, Campbell. She, but she's uh, she had a lot of injury problems. She was back. She was playing pre-season and actually scored the goal uh, when Rangers beat Hamilton. So I think there's definitely faces to look out for going forward. 
SWPL2 team of the season. It was very much dominated by Hearts and Hamlin. Probably a good indication of where, they, where they're at. But in goal, as we talked about earlier on, Dundee United had Alia J.M. Meach. And in defence, we had Joanne Addy from Partick Thistle, uh, Danny Pagliarulo from Heart of Midlothian, uh, Megan Quinn from Hamilton, uh, and then we had a midfield of Claire Doherty from Kilmarnock, Amy Anderson from Hamilton, Kirsty McIntosh from Hamilton, and Rachel Walkingshaw from Heart of Midlothian. And then up front, we had Neve Guthrie and Lauren Evans, and Neve Guthrie from Dundee United, and Lauren Evans from Hearts. Uh, Campbell, you usually base up at Petersell Park, so you see a, a decent amount of SWPL2 action. I usually go out and about and try and see some for, a bit further away. Um, who's, who's, who's maybe not made the team that might pop up in the second half of the season uh, in an SWPL2 context? Uh, one I mentioned earlier on was um, Chloe Doherty at Glasgow Girls. She started the season, as we say, really well. She won uh, one of the Player of the Month awards, I think, in September. She's another one that she sort of tailed off a wee bit, but when she was on form, Mar and uh, Lucy McEwen were forming a really good partnership going forward for Glasgow Girls. So it'll be interesting to see if she can get back to the sort of form that she showed at the start of the season and produce that again in the second half. Um, looking for their part as well, you've got Hearts. Uh, you've mentioned some of the players there, obviously, but Aisha Mon, uh, out wide, a young winger for them, but she's well, under the radar slightly. She's not quite been consistent enough, but she's shown flashes when I've seen Hearts have been up there that could cause problems. Another one that I would like to see possibly step up a bit more in the second half of the season. So I'd like to keep an eye out on the pair of them. Yeah, Asia Mon was probably going to be my show, um, to be honest with you. I think at times she is, um, she's very young. I think she's another one of the under-17 internationalists that, that play in the league. Um, and there is a little bit of an exper- experience here, but at times she can also break a game. Um, and I think that's something that really came across in the European Championships, how game breakers are really important at, at the level of football that, that these teams are playing at. So yeah, I think, I think she'd be my show as well. But I think there's... I think with the SWPL2, there's always a kind of slightly more changing cast of characters, but I think there's definitely ones to keep an eye out on going forward. At this point, I think what me and Campbell would like to do is actually just talk about some of the things we've liked over the summer. Um, I think what, Campbell, I'm going to get started, uh, and I'm going to talk about Hamilton Aki's uh, social media, because I've got a wee bit of soft thoughts for this. I think they've been putting some in some um, some really hard work and getting uh, their, their team out there. Um, I think just in general, they have grasped the idea that actually this is a time to take advantage of the fact that the Women's World Cup has happened. They've had this European Championship. So I've been really pleased with their content. They, they also did a, an interview where if they got a certain number of retweets and favourites, they were going to release a bloopers of, which they did, held their word to it. So yeah, really liked what Hamilton and Aki's have done. Uh, anything that stuck out for you so far? You mentioned the Instagram hibs are always very good to they'll do it quite often when they'll have a couple of players will sort of take over there. Um obviously Rangers as well, that was a big, big step for that. And it's good to see that the women's game is getting more recognition. But another one for me is even just watch things, I was on the news tonight where they're looking to Scott Booth has been a big talker of um getting the money that's come from the World Cup and trying to actually put that into Scottish foot, women's football now to progress the game on because it's obviously the World Cup is doesn't only comes around every four years. And it's one of these things that when Scotland get there, which as we know is very rare, it's got to really be taken advantage of. So the fact that money's there, the interest in the women's game is probably the highest it's ever been in the country. So it really has to be taken advantage of right now. And I think that's been good to see that they're noticing that on a more international, more national scale. Yeah, and I, th- I think it's probably a, a point to address in relation to that because it's not so much the case that Scott Booth has said that it's that other people have said that it's that people um, like Fiona McIntyre has come out and said it from the SWF that there's journalists like, well, we're saying it, Alan Campbell saying it, Andrew Southwick saying it. Um, there's definitely a, a narrative to, to push here and I think part of it as well is it's pushing it because it needs to be pushed otherwise it might disappear and I think one of the things that 
has come out of the back of this is there has been kind of noises from the SFA who hold the funds at the moment that this will get used, but there isn't a plan in place. So hopefully, touch wood, there will be a plan in place going forward. But yeah, I think in general, there's been clubs that have, have certainly taken the initiative. And I think that's something that all the clubs need to do to ensure that should that that funding come that way, it goes in the right direction. I think one of the other things I actually saw was uh, Glasgow City did a very short six, seven minute video um, just kind of giving their season so far. And I thought it was really good because um, as we both know, Callum Patterson does a lot of work up at Glasgow City um, and he does some commentary for them. So there was a wee chance to get some player recognition uh, in amongst that as well. But yeah, Celtic super active as well on social media. They also had a heavy presence at their Celtic festival at the SECC this weekend as well. So yeah, I think there's lots of positives to to look forward to. But yeah, um, I think that'll wrap it up for just now. So I'd like to thank, uh, first of all, uh, Campbell uh, for coming on. Campbell, where can people get in contact with you if they want to? The Twitter's obviously the main place there uh, at Campbell62s. I'm sure you'll put on the on your tweet. Um, even at games, I'm at Peters Hill most weeks. I'll be there for both games, for Patrick Lizzo St Johnston and then the top of the table class, SFPL1 with Glasgow City Hibs on Sunday. So if anyone sees me there, yeah, feel free to have a word about anything to do with football or just in general if you want. Um, so yeah, perfect. Um, yeah, and you can get me at MFP Tasty. Well, I'll be tweeting out, so it's me. Um, I'll also be at Partick Thistle uh, for the for the first half of that anyway, and then I'm going to head over to K Park for the Celtic Rangers game. Really interesting one uh, there as well. But yeah, same as Campbell. If you see me, please say hi. If you've got any questions, please let me know. But for now, thank you very much for listening to the Leading the Line mid-season preview review, um, and we'll speak again soon. Catch you later. We have a mini announcement to make. Anyone's game will be expanding with an eye on being the go-to place for women's football coverage, not just in Scotland, but beyond. We will reveal details over the coming weeks, but for now, we need your help. Very soon, we'll be launching an extensive survey of women's football coverage to find out the sort of stuff you want to watch, listen and read, and we'd appreciate if you can give us your thoughts. Keep an eye on our Twitter page, underscore anyone's game. And remember, you can subscribe to this podcast on both iTunes and Spotify. That's all for this week's episode. Thanks for listening. You are listening to the Anyone's Game podcast. For advertising inquiries, email agpodcast at yahoo.com.